You're listening to Powerful, a podcast that will provide you with solutions to ignite your superpowers, identify your limiting habits, and help you be more authentic. I'm your host, Bridget Brown-Jackson, and I'm an ordained educator. And you can do great things. You're powerful, and you're ordained for it. Welcome, welcome back, powerful people. Again, we have a treat for you this week. We have part two of the chapter from my latest book, Powerful. It's in audio form for you, just for you. You are unique because you are the first to hear this dynamic book. We hope you enjoyed and we want you to understand and know that you are powerful and you can grow in yourself and you can unlock your full purpose. Even if you know what it is, you can take it to the next level. Listen in. You are listening to Powerful. Grow in you and unlock your purpose. An excerpt from Chapter 1. This is Part 2. Enjoy. The trichotomy. There's a trichotomy about us as human beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. In all three areas, we have the ability to replicate. Living day by day successfully is the duty of our soul realm. We experience the world through the seat of the soul. Our purpose resonates from the soul. Our soul is comprised of our will, our intellect, our memory, our imagination, and our emotions. Most people call the soul the seat of the will, emotions, and mind. For me, I break the mind into three distinct parts, intellect, imagination, and memory. Therefore, in this book, we will discuss these five components rather than the three most people talk about. When you truly understand this portion of yourself, you can truly walk in authentic purpose. In the chapters to come, we will delve more into these five areas of our soul because they're so strongly dictate our lives. But for right now, we will talk about will. We were given a clear will by God. In the book, Spirit Life Training by Timothy Jorgensen, he discusses this notion thoroughly the threefold part of man and its relation to God. In the chapter on the soul's will, he talks about breaking the will. Jurgensen suggests that our will has raw decision-making power. He emphatically teaches that our will makes decisions that ultimately form us into who we are. Our will must be strong and disciplined. It must be shown how to say no and how to say yes. We will discuss this more in depth later in chapter four. You can't hide. I remember as a young person being told in church services, you can run, but you cannot hide. That is not just an opinion. It is factual. It can be proven. You cannot run from the things destined for you. I remember when I first became a principal, I absolutely loved it. However, it was not easy. I spent a lot of days working tireless hours, sometimes to the neglect of my young children who sat at school with me for long periods of time. As a divorcee, that was their plight while mama brought home the bacon. I was determined to be successful, so I would even work on the weekends because I did not want any child on my watch to fall through the cracks. To be honest with you, that weighed on me and it took a toll. One of the levies being burnout. At the time, of course, I would never be fully transparent and admit to burnout. No, 
I sure would not. I had my superwoman cape on and she was not going to admit to powerlessness. One day, the pressure did take its toll. That day came like a tornado out of nowhere. I was frustrated and sitting on my living room sofa. I was burning myself out. I was tired beyond measure. And I decided enough was enough. I was going to go and do something different. I told myself I quit. Well, you can run. But you see where I'm going? You cannot hide. I had to laugh because I believe God has a very good sense of humor. He has showed up in my life too many times with hysterical commissions. All I could do was laugh and say, okay, God. As I sat on my couch, tired, exasperated, feeling discouraged, with a determined mind that it was going to be my last year in education, I had an awakening. At that very moment, I received a phone call from a former student. And what made this phone call very intriguing is the fact that I do not know how, to this day, the student received my phone number. I had relocated to Ypsilanti, Michigan from Flint, Michigan, and did not have the same phone number. Back then, there was no carrying your phone number to a new city. She was an adult who just graduated from college, and I had been her second grade teacher many years prior. It was amazing that she called at that exact moment. I was about to be slapped across the face with a power pillar, purpose. We had small talk and then got into a deep conversation. She called to tell me that she was grateful and thankful because she had recently graduated and how I had influenced her life. She went on and on giving me oral accolades as I sat with tears dropping like bombs into my lap. At first, I was never going to tell her what I was going through in that precise moment. Then suddenly, like a floodgate, my mouth opened and I just blurted out what my mind had been contemplating. When she heard my words, it was as if I had shot a cannon into the open air. I could hear the disappointment in her voice, even though her words did not express that at all. She did not begin to indulge me with niceties. She just simply said with strong persuasion, please, whatever you do, reconsider your thoughts. You are needed in education. I stirred on the words all evening and into my dreams. I was still chewing on that conversation at the daybreak. The next morning after I got out of the car and walked into my school's office, I did something I would do every now and then. I began to do my mind dump. That was where I dumped everything that was worrying me or bothering me on a piece of paper. The paper included every unfulfilled task, promises to do things, incomplete decisions, unfinished assignments from work and home, and every worry on my heart. After mind dumping, I then developed an action plan. One of the main things that stood out was this statement to myself. I will not continue to work in the manner I am working in. I have a purpose, but I need to be clear on my vision and mission while on this road. I believe this was the day this book was etched into destiny. The seven power pillars could all be seen in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Burnout was true and real, 
It needed to be in balance with my position. For even when I said that I was going to quit, I absolutely knew without a shadow of a doubt that this was my true assignment, not just a vocation. I'm an ordained educator. Teaching is a natural, God-given gift for me. It was effortless. It was innate. It was in me. I teach and instruct in almost everything I do, sometimes even in casual conversations. But I knew I had to use my gift more effectively and efficiently as a leader. I needed to use this natural gift along with my intrinsic ability to exhort. Back in my late 20s, when I became a licensed minister, I had all types of questions about God's intent for my life. Out of curiosity, I took a measurement tool designed by Don and Katie Fortune. They co-authored a book, Discover Your God-Given Gifts, Without Fail, Every Time. I came out as a compassion person and a teacher over the other five God-given gifts of perceiver, exhorter, administrator, giver, and server. This revelation opened my eyes in every assignment in every organization that I have worked for. With my gift of compassion, I have been a loving person, enduring, and sensitive to others. As a God-gifted teacher, my life has been focused on intellectual pursuits. My purpose is seen through these lenses. I walk out my purpose using those instinctive gifts. When I think of the part of my narrative where I sat on the sofa and thought about quitting, I think about the Bible story of Jonah and the whale or the big fish. I knew I did not want to have a Jonah experience. I wanted to be obedient and walk in my true fulfillment. When you live in your purpose intentionally, it does not matter where you're running. You will always be found back at the doorstep called purpose. To be quite honest and crystal clear, some people are not willing to be transparent. I hear people, especially those in leadership positions, say they cannot be open due to stigmas being placed on them or being judged for transparency. There is an unspoken expectation that you must always be on top of your game, but that is not true. That is a fallacy. It is so very important for you to live in genuine transparency. The authentic you will get more accomplished than you know. So be true to yourself. Be you and only you. After all, no one else can do it but you. I left the life of being in a brick and mortar building but I still teach and lead children and adults. I just do it differently now. I use my nonprofit to accomplish my purpose, the compassion person and teacher. My true passions and giftedness are always with me, no matter what field or vocation I choose. I mention this because I grappled with leaving education as I knew it. It weighed on me because I loved it. My mind could not contemplate doing anything else. Once I realized that my purpose is caring for people and teaching them, it was easier to move on down the road. You see, your road can switch, but your true purpose and passion will stay intact. Mine is helping people. Mine is being interactive. Mine is executing with enthusiasm and inspiration. I work currently with career and entrepreneurial women women-led nonprofits, and church organizations helping them discover their genius and how to execute and walk out their perfect purpose. My primary clients are Christian career mothers who experience challenges and setbacks, but always have hope and a growth mindset. 
I help them utilize their intrinsic talents to overcome any obstacles and identify and push past blind spots. That does not mean this book is not speaking to others. The lessons in this book can be transferred to any occupation, entrepreneur, and both genders. We all have been gifted. We retain a unique genius. We possess behavior preferences and tendencies to accomplish the mission we have while here on earth. It is when we do not reflect on this that we end up in the maze trying to find our way through. I'm reminded of this from the lesson learned from one of the first books I was gifted that I read as a new principal, Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. I can see myself in my mind's eye holding the book and lying across my sofa, reading away, excited, anticipating each page turn and finding out the ending. I read it in one quick reading. Then I went to putting the lessons into immediate action. I was a new school leader who, with a promotion within 18 months, was supposed to have a new school, a new construction. I had been promised one thing, but a different thing was delivered. Oh, my cheese was moved. I had to adjust. To be honest with you, I do not like change at all. That is what made this book such a great gift for me. My cheese had fleed my grasp. If you have never read the book, it is a parable about two mice, Sniff and Scurry, and two little people, him and Haw. They journey through a maze in search of cheese. They have unique outlooks on the journey and their relationship with change. Those of you that have read it, know the power of the story and how the cheese represented success and happiness. At one point in the maze, him and Hall, the little people, got comfortable and did not keep moving. Unbeknownst to them, the cheese was moved and was absolutely gone. They did not like it. The lesson for them was change is inevitable and be prepared for it. Change is always going to come. Hall decided not to stay stuck. So he kept moving after the cheese supply dried up. It was a fearful time and Hall could have stayed paralyzed, but he overcame and set off to find more cheese. He found it. The discovery of the new only came about because he moved. He went into action. While we are on the road of purpose, fear will always show up. Lack may reveal its ugly head, but we have to use the lessons learned in the parable. If your cheese is moved, do not render yourself immobile. Keep moving. Discover another way to live out your purpose and be self-aware of your power pillars needed to walk in your unique path, your prescribed destiny. Key traits. Successful people have two dominant key traits. These people are self-aware and they are genuine to themselves. They desire and pursue authenticity. Self-awareness is a key component of emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is just as important as cognitive intelligence. At the beginning of my career, I was not very self-knowledgeable. I did just what I described earlier. I thought it would be less of myself to be open and honest, especially after one occasion in the beginning of my leadership career. I was open and honest, and that cost me being judged as well as others manipulating my transparency. Well, my advice to you is, it doesn't matter what other people think. Your peace and tranquility 
and satisfaction is up to you. The one thing you must do is be real with yourself. That is something as well that you cannot run from. The real you is there inside that body and soul of yours. You must confront the brutal facts. I love the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. It uses a term I love, brutal facts. Now the brutal facts do not only apply to businesses, your job or occupation, it applies to your personal habits as well. Therefore you can run, but you cannot hide from the truth. What are the brutal facts that you know about your purpose and your endless possibilities? Does your authenticity lend to the conducive environment for the great and the powerful? One of my current coaches, Lisa Nichols, a phenomenal businesswoman, transformational powerhouse, and worldwide speaker, talks all the time about walking or living in endless possibility. Walking in determination is nothing to fear, but it's something we all must accept and forge through. You see, when you have greatness in you, your destiny is ordained, decreed, and declared officially. Therefore, you will face obstacles on every hand. Pressures of life will try to press you out. Nevertheless, you have been given the prescription for overcoming. When you are walking in honesty and holding the hand of hope, you can clearly be effective and efficient in your purpose. Purpose is a word that we hear people use all the time. I've been using it all throughout this chapter. Be that as it may, do we truly understand the fundamental nature of purpose? I think if we truly did, we would be more intentional and thoughtful in our actions. Hence, the phrase on the book cover, if you knew who you were, you would act according. When you are in the space of accomplishing your purpose, no matter what, you are very passionate about what you do. Intentionality guides you easily and smoothly. Now, mind you, that does not mean you are always passionate about what you do. I know that's an oxymoron. Here's the gist of that. You can be very passionate about something and not love it or like it. For instance, if you worked with battered women, you may not like what happens to the battered women or even your relationship and what you do with someone who is in a battered relationship. However, you could be extremely passionate about stopping domestic violence. So it is vital that we live in purpose and on purpose. When I first started out on my education journey, one of the top people that I loved to listen to was Jack Canfield. He's a legend in the professional development arena, creator of the Chicken Soup series, and author of the most recent book, Success, Success to Help You Live a Happier, Healthier, and Wealthier Life. You can very much say he was passionate and has lived in his true purpose. Jack talks a lot about living life and being in a good space. Passion requires us to live in the day. As you read this today, what are you thinking about as it relates to your purpose? Are you conscientious about today? Or do you only see your purpose in tomorrow? Walking in purpose commands a presence in the now. This moment. Yes, this moment is just as crucial as the tomorrow moment. Now, faith. As I said, purpose is in the now. We live for the moment in the moment. One of my favorite scriptures found in the 11th chapter of Hebrews is, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now. 
That is an incredible word. Now gives us a reality of the day. It sounds urgent. Now makes you want to move. Now makes you execute and deliver. When I hear the word, I think of being a child and an adult asking me to do something now or teacher giving the command to read it now. I don't know about you, but I was very obedient as a child. So if I was told to do it now, I did it now, not later, now. No questions, just action. What have you been charged to do now? Oftentimes, people will focus on the past or the future and miss so many valuable now moments. Today is not concerned about yesterday and today is not consumed with tomorrow. But now is minding the business of now. Now is progressing. Now is working. Now jumps up because it makes you want to move now. Please do not take this out of context though. The past does have some bearing on our present situation and the future will definitely be determined by what we do today while we are in the now. However, as human beings, many of us spend more time focusing on that which is gone or that which is to be rather than being in the moment and enjoying the gift, the wonderful gift of the present. Changing the small, minute things in the moment is just as valuable. How are you using your present? A gift of the now. One of my businesses includes an online, culturally relevant website that houses published children's books, curriculum, and materials for teachers and parents developed around Afrocentric themes. The idea came to me years before its inception. I was frustrated as an urban school administrator that the children I was serving were being underserved when it came to the curriculum and the history of African-Americans. So much was lost, left out, underrepresented, untold. Now, I teach everyone who is willing to listen about the lesser-known personalities that helped shape our United States. I had a now moment and acted on it. Thomas L. Jennings was a now type individual. He lived in purpose, on purpose. He was about evoking change. He was a visionary. I write about him because more than likely, you may not know about him. He was an inventor and entrepreneur in the early 19th century. Thomas worked for a highly respected tailor and later became his own business owner at the tender age of 19 years old. Just so you do not overlook this, we're talking about a black man owning a business and being granted the first patent ever given to a man of African origin during the times of slavery. This was unheard of. Jennings invented a dry scouring process for dry cleaning. This is remarkable considering the historical context and the atmosphere of the time. The greatest part of the story is not that he created a much needed invention, but he gave some of the proceeds to support the movement of abolition, including the purchase of his own family member's freedom. His purpose, no doubt. His life is marked by the words on his epithet, defender of human rights. According to Jerry McPrenda in his blog, a bold man of color, Thomas Jennings, and the proceeds of his patents, says that Frederick Douglass described Jennings as a bold man of color who led an active, earnest, 
and blameless life. Furthermore, Jennings became so influential that he did other acts of servitude that were trailblazing and monumental. For example, someone illegally used his dry scouring invention. He sued and won. He won during a time where black men did not even hold their own patents. And being a black man was an everyday challenge. Patents sometimes were placed in the name of the slave owner. Jennings, being a free man, owned his own patent outright and was able to show the patent papers that were signed by John Quincy Adams. On another occasion, he hired a lawyer when his daughter Elizabeth, a schoolteacher, was removed from public transportation, a horse-drawn streetcar, in New York, New York, in 1854. Once again, unheard of, unprecedented. The young lawyer that aided them, you may know, because he later became the 21st president of the United States. It was Chester A. Arthur. Jennings helped form a group called the Legal Rights Association to support and help other Blacks with civil rights matters. They won. So while we have all learned about Rosa Parks, have you ever been taught about the Jennings family? You should have. But that's a conversation for another time and another book. All these incredible exploits occurred because Jennings moved. He was in his now. He never allowed the fact that slavery prohibited so many things for people of his ethnic group. It did not hinder him. Excuses did not stop the action, the zeal, or the drive. Jennings pressed past the past and saw what was needed in the moment. 90 Days Some may see 90 days as a short period of time, while others may see 90 days as a long period of time. When I think of purpose, I think in 90 days. Why am I talking about 90 days and I say it live in the now? That is because my now took me 90 days out. Let me unpack that. When I started my business and really took it seriously, I was able to accomplish in 90 days more than I had done in two decades in my career. And yes, I said two decades, 20 years. When I discovered how to take my purpose to an all-time high, it began not just affecting my now, but it carried into my future. I became more methodical in my day-to-day living. My now, every day became my purpose. Therefore, the residual effects moved and traveled into my future. One of my favorite things that I like to quote is, intolerance of the present schedules your future. I am now very clear and very powerful of my today, (laughs) of my now. There is no mismanagement of my efforts, no wasting time because every moment matters. I did enough of that in my past, which I cannot go back and turn the hands of time. But what I do get to do every day is live in my authentic purpose. We hope you enjoyed that audible from the excerpt of our chapter one. If you're interested in purchasing this book, the details are in the show notes or in the comment section of whatever platform you are listening to this podcast. As always, thank you for being a faithful, faithful listener. And you know my favorite saying, coach me and I learn, challenge me and I grow, believe in me and I win. I believe in you. You are powerful.